Hello, Vernacular Faithful. Redcoat here. And Sientir joins him. And uh, today, we're going to be doing a little interview. Or rather, Sientir is going to be interviewing myself, Redcoat, about some things. So, Sientir, what am I... What am I uh... Well, we're going to be asking you about fantastical racing games. So, first of all, what constitutes a fantastical racing game to you? So, a fantastical racing game. And um, for me, this is basically just a game that breaks some rule of reality or, you know, does something, well, fantastical, something out there with what they're, what they're doing with their cars or what they're doing with their tracks or something, you know? Um, because, like, for me, the current era of games that involve going around a track several times, several hundred times, okay, maybe not several hundred times, but you get the idea. <laughs> um, games that involve going around a track in a vehicle these days don't really don't really play with reality all that much, in my, in my opinion. Okay. So, just to, to make sure we're getting some, some clarity, are you including things like, say, Sonic and Psycho All-Stars Racing Transformed and Mario Kart? Yeah, I would, I would, I would include those um, as in the overarching space of fantastical racing games. I mean, we have a ton of kart racers out there. Mm -hmm. um, however... I would separate them from the types of games that I'm going to be talking about today. Okay. So those are definitely kart racers, um, is right. how I'll put them. So basically, it's the idea that you've got um, you've got wacky, wacky, crazy weaponry going on in them mm -hmm. usually, and the um, I mean they're generally mascot racers, but there's definitely a thing of where how do I put it? We emphasize the persona of the racers over the persona of the cars mm. uh, in most in most kart racers, like you know Crash, okay. Crash, Sonic, Mario. Like all of them have their names in the title. Um, yeah, like even Diddy Kong Racing. Like uh, all of them, it's just like it's it's about the characters, and then you have the carts. But the characters really are what we're talking about. Gotcha. Yeah, I know just from my two cents that I usually think of them as more party games than racing games to some extent. That's fair, um, because it's not... They they definitely eschew away from the idea that um, we're doing a test of skill and more of a... We're on the we're all on the track together and anything can happen. Mm -hmm. It's more of a have-an-experienced game than necessarily a um, learn-a-skill game. So what are some examples of the, the type of games you're talking about specifically then? Yeah, so um, I'll say to start, we'll go with uh, something that's closer to real, but still basically sets the stage for where I'm going here. Okay. Um, so uh, the Burnout games. Mm -hmm. So Burnout is, a, you know, it's a racing game, and you have some very realistic cars in there. Um, like, they're they're modeled very well and stuff like that. But, you know, they're not down to the engine stuff like in Forza or something like that. Sure. Um, but the thing is that, that that game isn't really focused on specifically saying that all you do is race. And all you worry about is how good your car is and all this stuff. It's like, it's... Burnout is focused on crashing. Like, that was the tagline on the 10. Well, okay, that wasn't the tagline, but... That was the description on the tin of the game. It was just like, Burnout is about crashing your car. They did a whole bunch of stuff to make it so that it looks really fancy and interesting when you 
crash your car into something and it flips around and parts break off of it and all sorts of stuff. And so, like, that game was all about that and it's all about, um, like, they had um, a crash mode where you have a random intersection and there are a bunch of cars there and there's a ramp. You're going to hit that ramp and you're going to crash into as many cars as you possibly can. And so it's a very different, it's a little bit, it's a very different focused experience. And in the later games, they actually made it so that car-on-car combat was much more of a thing. So you would actually try and... Yeah, you try and slam into each other, you'd cut each other off, and that would give you points to do more stuff. I see. So it's very aggressive. Yeah, it is very aggressive. It's less about racing super well, and it's more about interacting with the other racers while also racing well. In that same vein, you have Split Second, which was basically... Basically, a spiritual successor to Burnout, in my opinion, but it takes it another level where now you you gain points from doing funky things around the around the track, like uh, getting air, uh, tailing people, doing uh, doing power slides. I see. And you can use those points to open up shortcuts or to cause traps to affect the other racers. It was all set in this idea of a, it was a reality TV show. And so you would perform, and the audience would be like, yeah! And so you'd get points from doing that. And then you'd get to do the push-the-button moment. And you'd get this nice cinematic thing where it's like... And a big like a big part of the road would explode, and another part of it would fall into place. And you're like, well, I guess I'm going this way now. And I hope nobody was under that, because they just died. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, so from there, you know, we get into some of the more, well, I guess before we get into the really weird stuff, um, I should also talk a little bit about uh, MotorStorm, which is probably one of my favorite close to reality, but really not mm-hmm. games, because uh, MotorStorm was a really interesting concept because most racing games, they try to keep it within a specific area of cars right right so it's like um f-zero you're you've got future cars um burnout you mostly stay within the range of um super fast um high-end cars although if you're doing crash mode um, it's free reign mm. um monster truck madness is all about racing monster trucks yeah exactly you know it's usually in the title if it's something specialized yeah but MotorStorm was unique in that it was kind of simulating this idea of where it's almost like Burning Man, but for cars. Like, everybody's come around to do this this race. And so you just have all sorts of different vehicles there. Like, you have dirt bikes, you have four-wheelers, you have uh, semis, you have monster trucks, you have dirt buggies, you even have stock cars. They're just all there on the track together. Uh, and the tracks are made such that each car has its own perfect line um, to go through, but you also have to deal with the fact that there are other racers that are going to be taking their lines and things like that. It was mm, very so the lines crisscross and stuff? Yeah, it was, a very, it was a very interesting game. Being a motorcycle... Incidentally, being a motorcyclist in that game was the scariest thing because everyone bowled you over. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Just like real life. Yeah, but it was, it was a very interesting... It was a very interesting game. It was one I really kind of dug. And again, it's this thing of where normally you wouldn't have 
all of these different cars together in one thing. Like, you wouldn't have a semi racing against a stock car. No, that'd be a bit weird. Um, and, I mean, one of the other things that all of these games share, and I do think it counts as a part of the definition in some respect, mm-hmm. uh, all of these games have some form of boost gauge. And so a part of the game's play isn't about finding the perfect like perf- finding the perfect line will make you ostensibly better at these games definitely right but the other thing is your boost management and whatever gimmick is in the game to build up your boost so in burnout it's things like driving dangerously in split second it's the same idea with motorstorm there were some there was some stuff i don't remember it's been a while since i played that one but i do remember you had nitro it's just I forget exactly how you got it. <laughs> mm, gotcha. Um, so, spoilers, we have a list of some games here. And uh, episode one, Pod Racer, is, is on it. And I know that that one, you could, if you're going fast enough without crashing into stuff, you could boost. Yeah, and Pod Racer was interesting because in most games, you build up your boost. But in Pod Racer, you're basically at top boost at the start. And it's more about maintaining the heat on your vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One of the better things to come out of Star Wars Episode One, for sure. Yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised that no one's really done that same kind of boost management system uh, since then, really. Mm. I'm also kind of surprised there hasn't been another Pod Racer game, to my knowledge. Yeah, well, I mean, Episode One came out, and then people didn't like it, you know? There's that great Weird Al song. Well, I mean, I, I, I love the Weird Al song, and Darth Maul is amazing. Yeah, um, people like him. Yeah, like, I, I love the actor for that, the stuntman, or the actor, the stuntman, whatever, uh, who did that, because he also played Toad in X-Men. Ah, uh, I think he voiced Pete in Dark Souls 2. He is a wonderful man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's your random, completely unrelated trivia for the day. But yeah, the boost idea is something that is constant across, like, at least all of the games that I consider to fall into this space. As even, um, now that we're getting a little bit out of the cars space because i mean there are other racing types games yeah like one of my favorites was hydro thunder um which is powerboat racing which like other than uh wave race 64 and blue storm um there really aren't that many racers on water yeah i for some reason i keep wondering is there a yacht racing game and stuff like that like, I wouldn't be surprised if there is, and I just haven't heard of it. Because I would imagine that if, if it exists, it's in an arcade somewhere that I haven't seen. Mm. The ones I listed beforehand were all straight to console. But the fantastical yeah. racing game where you actually had, like, you got boof power and stuff like that. That was an arcade experience originally. Right, there's like an F-Zero game in the arcades, right? Yeah, F-Zero, GX, uh, well, AX. AX and GX, because GX was the console version, and AX was the arcade version, and you could transfer custom car data from your GX to your AX. So, so the G was for GameCube and the A was for arcade? Yep. Ax. Goots. That one doesn't pronounce as well. <laughs> but yeah, Hydro Thunder, one of the things that really got me about that game, and to an extent, many other Fantastical Racer games, um... The futuristic ones in particular, but this one wasn't really futuristic. The courses had character. Um, Mm. And now, 
it's not just the fact that the course would like the course the, the courses themselves always had like some sort of crazy theme to them like you had New York disaster which was New York had been flooded after a big apocalypse ah. or you had um wasn't area 51 I'm trying to remember well New York disaster is the one that sticks out in my mind because that was the craziest one because uh-huh. you actually went into you went through the subways and all sorts of fun interesting stuff but not only did the theming of the stages, you know, radically change and things, but the water itself was, it was active and moving and doing things to you. And you'd have to manage how your boat went through the water. I see. So they'd have kind of uh, wave physics and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the things I really liked about Wave Race as well, was that each lap throughout the track could have a different feel to it because the water would be doing something different. I see. So, some amount of this way that the the levels have um, more influence on you than just, like, you go around it and, and it's just, like, stay on the road and keep tight on your turns. It's kind of like a normal racing game. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying part of what you really like about these more fantastical racing games is that that's not always the case. Like, sometimes you need to worry about Banth and Raider shooting you. Yeah, like, it's a thing of the road will throw some curveballs at you. And those curveballs aren't always curves. Okay, so what are some other things that you particularly like about these games? What are some things from them that you would like to see explored more? So, um, like I said, with uh, Burnout and Split Second and, um, to an extent, Motorstorm, and this also goes for F-Zero, which... Yes, I do consider that to be a fantastical racer. I didn't say that expressly, but I think you all should know. If you know anything about F-Zero, it's, it's out there. <laughs> um, I loved the vehicle. I love the man-to-man combat kind of deal. Mm. And I know you have this in kart racers, but it's a very different feel. So in kart racers, when you go to interact with somebody and you attack them, The way that the attack resolves is it hits them, it stops them, and now they lose their place. Yeah, probably. Like, if they don't lose their place, they lose some time, but it's always, bop, you stop, and you have to start up again. Mm -hmm. In most of these games, the um, the way that combat works, with a few exceptions, it's more that you're up until you're down. I think the best example of this is Extreme G, which actually had weapons in it. In that case, when you attack somebody, you would damage them, and that would start affecting their top speed. Mm, I see. And so, if you damage them enough, they wouldn't be able to hit the. They wouldn't be able to hit their maximum speed anymore, and so they would just be slower. But it didn't expressly say, "But you're done. I'm taking your position now." You still have to jockey them for their position. Gotcha. And F-Zero, to an extent, had a, had a similar deal with it, although car-on-car combat in that game was a lot harder because you didn't have weapons. So, Yeah, what I've seen of it, it's more like you have to align yourself well and then intentionally ram the other person. Yeah, and that has more... That feels closer to what happens in kart racers, but even then, it's not that you lose all of your momentum as much as you're kicked off in a different direction and you have to, re, you have to realign yourself. If your vehicle doesn't just explode. Yes. If your vehicle is very weak, if, you're, if your vehicle is made of weak, it will die. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was, the, that was the interesting thing 
there. And it's something I really wanted to see explored a little bit more in um, in these types of games is a more integrated sense of vehicular combat where it's not just the person who's immediately in front of you that you're combating, but that you could technically attack anyone on the field if you have the right weaponry attached to your machine. Um, the actual logistics of making that happen, like I've, I've done a few design, I guess the word is a design forays to try and figure out what exactly you do there because it's, it's an interesting quandary making it so that the guy who's in first place way ahead of everybody else, you can target him. But the, the gist of it is just being able to target parts of the track as well as targeting people just immediately ahead of you and stuff like that. Ah, I see. But yeah, I'd like to see that just because I feel that's one of the, that's one of the weaknesses of the racing genre is that if somebody is really good at the core mechanics of the game, which is finding the perfect line, keeping yourself at the highest speed with the, with the least amount of alterations to that straight line you're trying to make. If somebody's really good at that, they will pull ahead. Right. There's a certain amount of determinism in a standard racing game. Yeah. And um, once you pull far enough ahead, there's no turning back from that. And in kart racers, the way they deal with that is rubber banding. Well, to an extent. And blue shells. Yeah. Like, it's rubber banding and item distribution. Right. Where the items have a very large effect on how well you can move forward and how well you stay up. So what we're basically what we're talking about is a catch-up mechanic, right? Yeah. Something that allows people to catch up when they fall behind. Yeah. So my question is, so it sounds like what you're saying is in the, uh, the standard racing game, there isn't enough of a catch-up mechanic. Like, if somebody's just going to get ahead, they're going to get ahead, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, short of, like, tanking yourself so you can try to unlap them, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and cause problems that way. So, I guess what my question is, is do you feel then that the kart racers go a little too heavy-handed in their catch-up mechanics? Yes, most definitely. Because the player who's far ahead, he's earned it. Like, he got there, um, he got there because he's good at the game. And I don't want to take that away from them. Sure. Um... What I want, because in my opinion, the reason why you have that catch-up mechanic, it's not because, it's not because the other players don't have a chance to win. Um, I mean, that's part of it. But really, it's because once they pull far enough away, you're not interacting with them anymore. Mm -hmm. In my head, and I don't know how this actually would play out because I'd have to build the thing and test it. Sure, yeah, that's true of any design. In my head, it's the idea that First place is first place is the most dangerous place to be. And of course this is this is how it works in kart games, but the difference is that being good at racing in first place is something that is not just you're there and you keep it, but it's also that you can actually dodge everything that comes your way. Um, like you get to see the targeting reticles of all of the missiles that are coming down from on high towards you. You can catch that somebody's targeting you from behind and send out chaps and stuff yeah. like that. But one of the key words you had there was can dodge, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, the blue shells, my impression is those aren't dodgeable. Yeah, no, they, like, the very first implementation of the blue shell was something that you could technically defend against. It was on the track. 
so theoretically, you could get it to bump into a wall if you knew how to make it do things. Could you also defend yourself with like one of the triple shells around you? Uh, no. Okay. No, it it, bl- it blasted right through those. Okay. So, just to try to summarize and make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. Part of what you really like about fantastical racing games is that they aren't bound to trying to be realistic, and that means that you can introduce elements that are maybe a little Demolition Derby-ish, um, like, kicked up several notches. And you just really like the idea that they allow you to be able to have interaction between cars... Because what often happens is that in a, like a standard racing scenario, there's not enough interaction once you pull head of the pack. Yeah. Whereas, whereas in like a kart racer, there's a little too much like. There's too much disruption. Yeah, not enough accounting for for skill, or, or too much effort to try to rein in the effects of skill. Yes. Um, and uh, I suppose while I'm at it. And this is, and now we're getting out of the the vehicular ones and into uh, into the more less vehicle, less vehicular ones. Okay, I'm just going to say that <laughs> that that will be the term. Um, one of the I will say one of the other things that I like about the fantastical racing games is there's more to it than just the race there's something else that you can do to do well at it. Mm. and um, So it's not just, like, managing your turns and uh, keeping your line. Yeah. I, I enjoy that, don't get me wrong. But the example that I would put forth is SSX Tricky. And um, racing well in that game is not just knowing the perfect line, finding all of the shortcuts, and doing that properly. It's also making sure that you are keeping yourself constantly topped off with your um, with your boost, um, basically by doing tricks and that sort of thing. Gotcha. And so that was something that I really appreciated about that game because it meant that uh, there was another there was another skill to master. That by learning that you wouldn't necessarily have to be the perfect racer to be able to get to the front of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you are the perfect racer, there is another skill that you can let fall by the wayside and just focus on that. Mm. This is interesting. It makes me kind of think of almost a, a stamina-type mechanic that you get in uh, non-vehicular racing, i.e. like horses or people. Yeah, like yeah. Like those sorts of races. Yeah. Where you have like an amount of physical stamina, and how do you conserve that? When do you expend greater stamina to go faster? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. It almost sounds like part of what you like about these is that there's this additional... Um, resource management. Yeah, resource management that you have to do to try to... Because it's, the thing about a car is it can just keep going at its top performance Yeah. effectively for the entire duration of the race. It doesn't have a moment where it's like, wow, my legs are really getting tired. Yeah. Right. Whereas like with a horse, or um, you have those moments where you can be like, oh, we're going at like 70% speed... We're keeping up with the pack, and then we can push it to 100% to overtake the person and lead right towards the end. Yeah. Like, that's something that adds excitement to those sorts of racing situations, where in, like, car racing, from what I understand, most of the excitement is, will they manage to keep their traction properly while keeping their speed? Are they going to be keep their line, that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a thing, and, I mean... I'll be, I'll be a little bit honest. Like, when I'm watching the Indy 500 or something, it, it's... 
Uh, it might be morbid, but I'm I'm really watching to see if somebody crashes. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are with, like, NASCAR and stuff, too. Yeah. At like, least to a certain degree. Yeah, like, I I appreciate the Formula One, the Formula One style a little bit more than the Indy 500. I understand what the Indy 500 is there for. Um, and, you know, it's like, because it's more of a pit crew show, in my opinion. <laughs> like, it's, like the, it's all about making that car run really, really well. And you've got a driver in there who knows how to drive at very high speed, which is definitely a skill. But... yeah. I really feel like the, the real start of the show is the pit crew in those things. Mm -hmm. And how quickly they can get the mid-race maintenance done. Well, it's not just that. I mean, that's that's their performance at the race. But oh. like, uh -huh. the battle for racing a car starts before you ever get on the track. Sure, okay, with the prep and, and all of that. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, that. that's one of the things with the... I mean, that's part of the reason why stock car racing is, is stock car racing now mm. is because there was a time when there were I don't remember the actual names of the of the crews or the racers but there was a time when there were two particular pit crews that were so good at pulling the most out of their car's engine out of how it actually used its fuel how it did its traction that those two cars would constantly be way ahead of the pack I see like every time and that led to the, the management being like, well, this is boring to watch. Um, we need to bring the pack in closer, so we need to regulate what's going on with uh, how these cars are built and how they run. Yeah, sure, that makes sense, where the goal is to make it an exciting spectacle. Yeah. Right, and you want that excitement from your racing games. I do. Um, not just tarry too long on the real-life racing, but I will say that I, I consider it to be a little bit unfortunate that we that it is it is stock cars primarily, just because one of the things that racing does for technology in general is it causes people to be competitive, and so they push the technology forward. Yeah, and, and see, this is one of those interesting things where it's like, how much do we try to run competitions for the sake of innovation versus entertainment? Right, and when the goal is entertainment, that pushes things in a different direction. Yeah. To try to create narrower margins, closer victories, mm -hmm. uh, more tension, just to keep people engaged, excited, wanting to know what happens next. Definitely. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really what it comes down to for me with the fantastic racing games. I like, well, the fantastic call. They are fantastic. At least I think they are. <laughs> but the fantastic racing games, it's that they have... Um, so the first thing is that they're usually very unique. There's something interesting and cool and new about what they're doing with their vehicles. Um, or it might not even necessarily be something new, like Wave Races counts as a fantastical one for me, but power, uh, racing on jet skis is just not something I get to see all that often. So sure. it's, there's something interesting about their vehicles. There's something unique and cool in how they do their tracks. Like, their tracks are usually throwing curveballs in some way, shape, or form at you. And the man-to-man -man combat is, it can become something that is not just a, it's not just a matter of, I get ahead of you. It's, I'm actually dealing with you directly in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. While I'm on it, there's one other fantastical racing game that I would want to highlight, which is Distance, um, which I that was one that, they didn't necessarily blindside me because 
being from DigiPen, I was around when the team was making the game. Um, it was Nitronic Rush at the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know that was taking off of one of the classic, uh, one of the classic racing, uh, crazy racing games, which was uh, Cruisin. Well, San Francisco Rush, which is in the ilk of Cruisin USA. Okay. Those games are basically just like you're driving and there's traffic, um, and that was really the main thing that was different was that you were driving amidst traffic on uh, the highway, and so you had to deal with that. Um, that one was specifically dealing, uh, distant, uh, Nitronic Rush was specifically emulating San Francisco Rush 2025, I think, or 20 whatever. It was, it was 20 at a number, basically the future. And the whole deal of that game was that you had cars that could do tricks because they sprouted wings and rockets and did all funky stuff like that. Gotcha. And so distance was taking that a step further and saying you're a digital car, so it doesn't, there's some extra things that you can do so you can you can drive on walls you can pop your wheels up so you can drive sideways or you can fly for brief periods of time or if the top of your car gets sliced off you can still keep driving <laughs> sure so it was a very it was a very interesting thing and that's really what it comes down to for me is like i i really want to see more creative racing games out there i want to see things that um try and just do something weird and kind of embody that with what they're racing is what they're racing is and challenge you to master more than just optimizing the track yeah because i mean i like optimizing my lines i'm the person who will do time trials over and over and over again but when i'm racing with other racers i want to feel like i'm actually interacting with them that makes sense to me and not just doing a time trial yeah all right well any final thoughts um Hydro Thunder is the best. If you want to play a racing game on water, find that game and play it. <laughs> okay. Um, but otherwise, yeah, all of the games that I've listed, um, I highly recommend them, at least as a study of what it is to make a fantastical or fantasy racing game. I mean, you could do a very interesting fantasy racing game where you have, like, dragon racing or something. Yeah, I feel like someone's done that somewhere. Probably. Like, that just seems like, that seems too so obvious. It does seem too obvious, yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I'll have a paladin on a, a paladin on a horse, uh, on a pegasus, and then we'll have a, a guy on a dragon, and uh, uh, let's let's have a goblin riding another goblin who's got wings. Ooh, ooh. Or you could do, like, Merfolk, and it plays like Superman 64. <laughs> All of that except Superman 64. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've clearly uh, said what we have to say. Yes, so. yes. Oh, and a racing game that's underwater. I want that. Yeah. I, I want that. Submarine racer. Yeah, Submariner the racer. Oh, wait. That's that's a hero. That's a hero, yes. The Submariner. Yes. Well, you see, that's the IP that we will attach to it so that uh, it actually okay. gets brand recognition. I'm not convinced of that. Well, okay, nobody knows who the Submariner is. I know who the Submariner is. Okay, so not nobody. One person knows who the Submariner is. Well, I, I think I saw about him at the Marvel yeah. exhibit at the Mopop. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, no, you see, that's that's the thing, though. You attach Marvel to it. Yes, yes, that helps. Yeah, Marvel, baby. Uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here, because uh, now we're just dithering. We are. So this is CNTR signing off. And this is Redco signing off.
Play the games you want to play, boyos.